Welcome to the Next Level Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hitchcock. It is great to be with you today. The Next Level Leadership Podcast exists with you in mind. It exists to raise you to your next level of leadership. On this week's episode, we've got a very special guest. Christian Brothers Automotive President Donnie Carr is joining the show. So stay tuned for this exciting episode of the Next Level Leadership Podcast. Donnie, it's such a joy uh, to be with you today. I, I so appreciate you coming on the program and being willing to speak with us. Um, I, I, I tell you, your leadership speaks for itself. I know at, at CBA you are very well respected uh, across the brand, across the community, and even in uh, the franchising industry as a whole. Um, what, what we're doing at, at Christian Brothers Automotive um, is, is really unmatched in a lot of ways and, and breaking records every time we turn around. And I think that it speaks a little bit to the testament of your leadership, but but Donnie, I kind of wanted to start off for, for the sake of our audience. Is is tell us a little bit about yourself? So so maybe your childhood, how, how you grew up, maybe some some lessons you learned early on growing up. You know, the son of Mark Carr, right? Mm. The founder of Christian Brothers Automotive. How, how how did that how did that come about? How 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 did you know? How was your childhood, and maybe some lessons you took away from that? It's a great question, Josh. So yeah, ch- childhood obviously uh, a, a lot of fun. Uh, was had in the car household growing up. Um, one, one of the biggest focuses was service, right? So uh, if you ever wanted to lead, you need to lead from a place of service. And so I think that servant attitude that, hey, you're, you're not better than anyone else, you're not above anyone else, but, but more so you, you're here to help support, grow um, others was something that was very important in, in our household. And I think as, as many people know, you know, my dad and my mom didn't come from money, uh, and so it, it's something that they, they worked extremely hard for. And so we were taught to appreciate what you have, uh, whether it was a lot or a little, you, you were grateful for, for what it was. And I think that was part of it is just, just being thankful, right? I mean, because uh, sure. e- even as a, a lower income family in, in the United States of America, we still have more than so many other people. And so being grateful for that uh, was something that was important. And it was something that uh, both my mom and dad uh shared on a regular basis the value of wow i love that so so you grew up in, in an area where hey it was great to have fun but you were also taught the value of hard work and and on that note i, I think it's fascinating you know one of the benefits of living in the united states is there's so many stories just like yours that that you come from 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 a lower income area and then, and then all of a sudden you know a business has started a, you know an idea has had that takes off and and, and now you're, you're you're in a more blessed uh situation where you're able to bless other people so um if you would t- tell us how how you were able to successfully navigate your leadership journey without stepping on others or go about going about it the right, wrong way because i feel oftentimes especially with people that are trying to progress in life they're trying to to grow they're trying to take their life personally financially etc uh into a more positive direction uh, it's very tempting if things aren't happening quick enough or, or, or what have you, that, that, that it's really easy to, to start to cut others or, or do things that, that really um, isn't just, it's just not good leadership, not good principles in general. So how did you navigate that, how, you know, promotion and, 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 and growing up in the car household, growing, growing up through Christian Brothers uh, professionally with, without, you know, stepping on others or, or cutting people down in the process? So Josh, I mean, we, we all know that the adage of, hey, just as, just as important as what you know is who you know, and not only who you know, but what they think of you. And so 
I think in the long run, uh, if, if you're willing to play the long game, you realize the value of growing the relationships and the people around you because success is very rarely uh, made by one person, by one individual. It's, it's almost always a team effort. It's almost always uh, about a support system uh, and, and a group of people who have done something together. And so I think if you can understand that that may, maybe I might not have the promotion next year or the year after, but it might be five years from now, but when I get it, I'll be ready. And not only will I be ready, but the people will be excited. My team members will be excited for me, and, and they'll want to help continue to grow and support me in that. And so I, I think selfishly, you pour into the relationships around you. You focus on the people around you. You focus on how do you better them, and in the long run, they end up bettering you um, and, and you're most successful. Wow, that's yeah, and that's so good because again, it's all it's all about the process, right? I hear I hear you've mentioned that several times about the process because if you get to a position in life, whether it's professionally or personally, where where your character or your development period, right, can't sustain where you're at, that's, that's going to lead to problems. So, what are what are some indicators that you've noticed that that you know um, where, where you said, okay, I, I'm ready, I can do this, I've got it. You know, when did you realize, you know, stepping in, you know, working your way up through the brand, you know, now you're, you're the president of the company. Um, when, when did you, you sit back one day and say, oh, my goodness, I, I think I, I've got a handle on this? So I'll actually tell you, I had the inverse happen to me. And so I think it was, it was I had been at Christian Brothers for probably six, seven, eight years at this point in time. And I realized, um, so growing up, I think you oftentimes look back at yourself five years or 10 years previous, and you think of how immature or how little you knew. And I got to a place that I was tired of having that perspective, right? I was I was tired of looking back and thinking, man, I thought I knew everything at 23, or I thought I knew everything at 28 or 30 or 35 or, or, or whatever that age is. And, or even junior high and high school, right? Remember in high school when you thought you you had finally arrived, you could drive, you could vote, uh, you could buy tobacco uh, and, and lottery tickets, and you're like, man, I, I have arrived. And, and I realized every time I looked back, I was disappointed with my attitude and my thought process of, of the fact that I had arrived. And, and I decided I don't want to be at that place again. And, and I realized that I wanted to start focusing on better understanding that I had so much more to learn, so much more to gain, and constantly having an attitude of not not of having arrived, but more so, how do I better myself each and every day in, in trying to create a humility of there's still so much to do? Um, and, and I think that's what that's what really helped me. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, gosh, Hitchcock... The mistakes I make on a regular basis, uh, I've, I've made them today, I made them yesterday. Um, th- there's just still so much to grow, and, and I think the opportunity to realize that um, we have never arrived and there's there's more to do uh, will help us be so much more successful in the long run. Wow, that's, it's so fascinating. And one thing I believe, you know, and I've told you this before, that, that you have a knack for, is you make everybody feel like they've got your attention when you walk by. You know, I've seen you interact with people many times, and you, and you make each and every individual feel like, even if it's just a, hey, how are you, or how's your day going, or it's a joke, or, or whatever it is to get them engaged in the conversation, I've watched you 
do this on, on several occasions, and it's and it's a great thing to see their reaction because you've made them feel valued. So on that note, um, you know that's an attitude of humility. That's a posture of servanthood. How 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 do you practically balance that? Right in terms of you know maybe you're having a bad day, maybe maybe you're frustrated today, right? But you realize, hey, I'm I'm coming in. My team deserves that when I come through the building that I acknowledge them, that I'm in a good mood, that that, that, that I'm, I have temperance in, in my interactions with them. So what are some practical things you do each and every day to provide that consistency uh, that, that most teams desire and need? So first, it's it's understanding the value of consistency. Because if, if your team is getting the same you each and every day, they, they know how to act, they know how to respond, they, they know what they're going to get, and, and they know how we're going to reach our goals together. So the, understanding the value of that, I think, is, is first and foremost. I, I think second of all is having good perspective. Uh, I, I will tell you, I think a, a term I say often is, if that's the worst that is, is going to happen, then I'm doing okay, right? Because if, if you look at big picture, like even the terrible things in life, like if that's the worst thing that happens to you in life, you didn't have it that bad. And and I think, you know, I that's a regular reminder to myself of, hey, let's look at big picture. Let's look at the grand scheme of things. Hey, I have a team member that's mad that's at me or frustrated. If that's the worst thing that happens to me today or in my life, gosh, that's a life to look back on and say, wasn't that bad. And so I think, I think reminding myself of that. I think also creating an environment and a team where you can be transparent, uh, where you can show those emotions, but they're also in, in an in a manner where they're where they're restrained and appropriate, um, you know, there there are times where where you need to show emotion as a leader, you need to show frustration, or you need to show excitement, um, but but making sure that um, they inspire the appropriate reaction right. is important. Right, because how, how you how you communicate something, it might be the right thing, communicated the wrong way, and as a result, you get the wrong result. Mm. Ever had an experience where you communicated something? And then it was, you know, maybe it wasn't communicated the best way. And then you got a reaction that was like, oh, boy, let me step back a minute. Okay, okay. And and reassess how I communicated that. So there there have been a tremendous amount of times of poor or miscommunication on my part. Uh, I, I think it's one of those areas that, that never goes away. I, I think the thought that you're going to tell a team member, hey, this is how we're going to do a process or this is how we're going to to, to carry out a project, that you're going to tell them once and it's going to be done correctly uh, is is close to impossible. I, I don't care how fantastic your team is. it's You have to communicate regularly and consistently, right? Same message over and over. But I think from an emotional perspective – I say the word perspective too much. You know, that's some perspective on that, uh, is that I over-perspective perspective. I, I think that's something I need to minimize <laughs> in my vocabulary. But it's a good word, perspective. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a stronger word than opinion or or thought. Uh, I think it's, uh, I don't know, for lack of better words, a more professional, a, a deep thought, you know, philosophical word, perspective. I, I guess to answer your question about a communication that I, I, I want, I, I enlisted or or... I attempted to get one reaction and, and I got a different one is I think when you have team members that have fallen short of goals or have done something incorrectly, I, I think there's definitely been times where I, I took a, a line of coming down on them. And, and shortly thereafter, I realized that, that they had come down hard enough on themselves already. 
and it wasn't That's necessary, and, and it created a, a greater funk or a greater frustration than, than was necessary. Because a, a lot of your great team members are going to be more upset about their shortcoming than you are. And so I think attempting to gauge the situation and say, hey, do, do they, they truly feel bad? Are they frustrated? Are they upset? Do they realize what they've done wrong? And when it's, yeah, then, then that's that's a conversation that you you don't need to harp on. You don't need to reiterate. You don't need to um, over-communicate on. They, they know that, that there's been a right. mistake and they're in for fixing it. And I, and I think that would also speak to the fact that not only are you surrounding yourself with quality people, but you're empowering them to do their work in such a way that they're not just committed to the work, they're not just committed to the brand, they're committed to you as an individual and that, that says, hey, when I goof up, when I make a mistake, oh my gosh, it's not just I'm, I'm beating up on myself. It's not just, oh man, I, I let the, the brand down. No, 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 I let Don down and, and I, don't, I don't like that. Can you speak to that, to, to the connection uh, that you make with individuals through empowerment and great leadership? Because I feel like connection, when it's made, is bigger than just um, when, when you can make an effective connection, it's bigger than just, hey, I work for you or, hey, you're my boss. When, when you're able to make that, that connection where, hey, I believe in you, you believe in me as your leader, um, we're in this together as a team, I think that, that develops just a new level of engagement, a new level of quality of work, and a new level of passion for whatever the task is at hand. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point, Josh. I, I think one of the things that's extremely important is the more your team member cares about the success of the overall goal, um, the, the more they know that you care about them as more than just a number, but truly as a person, right? Because because all, all of these people we're dealing with on a regular basis, they're much more than just an employee of an organization. They, they are a parent to someone, they're a child to someone, they're a friend to someone, uh, they're a community member to someone. And so I think when, when you can better understand who they are as a complete person and begin to work to grow them, they'll understand, hey, hey, Josh doesn't just care about me because I'm delivering on the projects right. that he asked me to do. He cares about me because he really wants what's best for me in the long run as a person. And I, I think that helps create that bond. I, I would encourage that you, you, you want to create ownership not only in yourself, but you want to create it in the why behind what you're doing. Because I think a real leader, if they're exited from the system... A, a real leader, things get even better be good. because they are so bought into the why of what they are attempting to accomplish that, yes, they care about Josh and they care about uh, what he thinks, but even more importantly, whether Josh is there or not, the why of serving amazing guests with the best automotive repair service is just as important to them uh, with you removed from that equation. And that, that, that is so good. And that, and that is true. But by, by developing that ownership, then you realize, oh, my goodness, the, the, the vision, the, the legacy that I'm trying to leave is bigger than me as an individual, as a singular individual. And I've empowered my team and I've inspired them to a degree that long after I'm gone, this legacy is going to continue. And who knows, two or three generations from now, they might be talking about Donnie Carr and, and how he navigated the brand through through record months and record years and really grew this the, the brand to, to, a, to a phenomenal degree and made an impact on those around them. So 
what what are some uh, some of the most valuable leadership lessons that you've learned? You know, whether that's you know as a child you, you grew up. We talked about that how you you grew up and you worked your way from the bottom up in CBA. You didn't come in at executive level management. You know, you you, you worked your way up, which again inspiring in and of itself. And 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 now you're the president of the brand. I know there are leadership lessons you've learned over the years that you're learning today, right? Um, through through others and so forth. So what what are some leadership lessons that maybe you've learned that just stand out to you that, that you say, oh my goodness, if I if I could just enlist a few, here here are some that it, I wish I would have known this, you know, at 21 years old. I wish I would have known this at 26 years old. So a, a couple of them, Josh. What one would be is 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 don't pass the buck, but but pass the the reward as often as possible. I think in almost every situation, in almost, um, yeah, I, I think in almost every situation there is an opportunity to give credence or congratulations to someone else. That there is always someone who is involved in that project, in that success that that you you can give the congratulations to, and and look look for opportunities to not take it. I, I think. I think when you can remind yourself on a regular basis that, hey, you're, you're doing great things, but there are so many other people that are helping create these great things. There's 125 people at the home office. I would be foolish to sit here and say that I am the reason for Christian Brothers Automotive success. Like it, it, it would be dumb of me because there is no way get up tomorrow and 124 of those other people don't show up. It is not happening. Right, right, and that, and that even more so. There's, there's two thousand plus team members out in the brand that are making this happen day in and day out. And for me to sit here and think that the success of Christian Buzz Automotive is because of me would be foolish. And so I think the more you can regularly remind yourself that, hey, if I didn't have so and so, or if she wasn't here, he wasn't here, that wouldn't happen today. And if that doesn't happen today, we're not successful. Uh, I, I think that being at the forefront of your thought is uh is a great mindset to have that is so so true and and you definitely in your leadership style i know you you present that and and, and live that out and 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 i would say this so so on that note right you 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 make team members feel um empowered you're humble you're approachable tell us about some a time or two um where where maybe you were approached with some feedback that maybe you didn't want to hear right maybe maybe it was feedback that that just you know the conversation just stung right after it was over, but then you, you were able to kind of remove yourself from the situation and then say, hey, that was valuable feedback. I, I, I need to grow from that, right? I, I need to make a change. So if you would, t- tell us just a little bit about that. And then, you know, what is your process for, for receiving tough feedback that maybe you don't want to hear? Tough feedback is, is fantastic. I, I, think, I think it's one of the things that I get most scared about that, that's going to go away as I continue to grow in leadership is because there's absolutely an opportunity to create an environment where people tell you what you want to hear and, and they're not willing to have difficult conversations with you. I, I, I've, you know, I love our end-of-year reviews because I have the opportunity for my team to give me feedback on areas that I can improve, and, and I have a handful of them. Uh, so so I one of the things that I could do a whole lot better about is I absolutely can be closed-minded at times. I absolutely can come to a place where I, I believe this is what is best and this is what is right, and, and I can do a bad job of listening and, and really gaining perspective 
from someone else on what it is they're saying. Saying uh, one of our culture commitments is seek first to understand, then to be understood, and. I, I would love to think that I do that all the time, but that's absolutely something that I can improve upon, and, I, and that's been shared with me. Um, I, I think uh, some of the other things are, is, is there have been times that I can be too quick to a decision? I think I can get to a place where it's like, okay, I, I have the gist of the facts, and I'm going to make a decision real quick, and we're going to move forward with that. And, and there are times that I need to process more. Um, I need to get more input from others, and then I need to wait on making a decision and avoid making an emotional decision. Right, because that, that often in the heat of a moment, I, I imagine that can be a difficult thing to do. You're being confronted or, or told something that, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. I do not want to hear this. But at, at the end of the day, it, it's I guess would be indicative on you as a leader. Like you either get in the emotions of it at the moment or you step back and say, okay, let me process that, right? Yeah, you have to process it. I, I think at any point in time, if someone gives you feedback and within 60 seconds or even six hours you decide that's inaccurate, I, I, I don't think you've spent enough time. Now, you can take 60 seconds and say, you know what, that's correct. You, you are welcome to make a quick jump at that's accurate. But I think if you're going to decide that someone gave you tough feedback and it's inaccurate, um, I, I think you need to take time. And then I also think you need to take counsel. You, you, you need to talk to some, you need to go to someone who you know is honest with you and, and get their their feedback as well of, hey, is this accurate? Is, is this how I feel? Um, and make sure, but before you turn feedback down, that, that you've, you've exhausted all inferences right. to make sure it's not true. Right, because then, then you're going to process that and make sure, hey, am I, am I not being a little biased here? Is this just me being dismissive of feedback I don't want to hear? But if you're quick, like you said, to embrace feedback, you listen to the feedback and you say, you know what, that's good feedback. I need to change. I need to shift. Or you know what, I need time to process that, right? It doesn't necessarily mean it's a no. It doesn't necessarily mean I don't agree with it. It just means give me some space, give me some time, surround me with some people, some counsel, that's going to you know, either reinforce or say, um, well, maybe maybe that advice wasn't 100% accurate and here's why. But either way, you, you'll, you'll get a clear-cut decision and then, and then be confident in, in, in your concluding opinion. Yeah, and, and there's, there's always some, some portion of truth to the feedback you've received. I, I think very rarely is it, is it 100% inaccurate. And I think you also have to create a demeanor that – People want to give you that feedback. The, the two things that I attempt to do is, one, receive it well, right? Because people aren't going to continue to have difficult conversations with you if every time they do it, you get angry, uh, you, you, you lash out, you, you, right. you make comments. And then the other thing you have to do is you have to show change because difficult conversations, uh, critical feedback is not enjoyable to give. No one's like, man, I can't wait to go talk to Josh about the things he's doing poorly. And so you have to show change. You have to show that you have made corrections from the feedback you've received and you're willing to improve and it's valuable to them to invest in you with that feedback. Right. Because I, I imagine being in leadership and, and knowing other leaders, not just at this brand, but in, in the franchising industry period, I, I'm sure you, there's stories and times you can count where you know feedback was brought to a certain leader and they didn't make the change quick enough or they didn't make the change at all, and it ended up costing them, whether it's a position, whether it's just influence, period. Maybe not a tangible decision, but maybe they don't have the influence that they could have had simply because they didn't embrace the feedback that was being given at that moment. 
Yeah, and it's one of the one of the scary things as as you continue to grow in your leadership. I, I I like to say that your best opportunity to know how good of a leader you are is when you have no authority, right? So that's good. I I, I know if I can influence Josh Hitchcock, but I'm not his boss and I'm not in a position of authority over him. That's real leadership. But but the higher up you go, the more difficult it is to understand. It, am I a good leader because I have authority and position and title, or uh, is it because I'm a good leader? One of the things that was very interesting to me in a, in a global leadership summit I attended is they did a study on EQ, and they showed through positionally how EQ rose, except for at the CEO level. The CEO level actually had a lower EQ uh, than presidents or vice presidents, or maybe not presidents, vice presidents or director levels uh, and things like that, because you can get to a place and it's very easy to create an environment where uh, you don't have to have emotional intelligence anymore because right. people treat you differently because of your role and title. And that's scary because then you develop an eco chamber. And once you develop that eco chamber, you're in your cocoon, so to speak. That's very, very dangerous because if you don't have, like you said, whether it's personal or professional relationships that are around you saying, hold on, time out, time out, come back, come back. If, if you don't, ha- you know, here's some tough feedback you know, if you don't have those relationships, it can be a very difficult, if not even kind of scary position to be in. Yeah, that cocoon is difficult to get out of and be the butterfly that you need to be, Josh. Oh, that's really good. I like that. <laughs> I like that example. That is, that is really, really good. A um, couple, couple of quick questions, and, and, and we'll wrap this up, Donnie. I mean, I, I know we're getting a lot out of this, and, and I know the people listening are, are, are getting a lot out of this. What is, and, and this you can uh, divulge details appropriately, right? So this is a question that you may not be able to give specifics, but more or less a, a general scenario. But what is the most difficult decision you've ever made as a leader? Most difficult decision you've ever made as a leader? Because I know leadership is often made and rises and falls on the ability to make the tough decisions, whether it's the tough feedback, whether it's the tough decision, maybe, you know, whether it's the, the tough whatever, but but leadership oftentimes falls on the ability to make those tough decisions and do them in a timely manner, right? And and so so I was just curious as to maybe, maybe the most difficult decision, you know, generally speaking, that you've ever had to make. The most difficult decisions to me are, are when it comes to terminating people. There, there, there are some easy ones. Hey, they stole. Hey, they lied. Uh, you know, th- things of that nature. But when you when you have people that are that are good people. Uh, but just are not the right fit, and you understand that you're going to make a decision that that's going to have a decent impact on their life uh, and 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 their livelihood. That that's a tough that's a tough decision to make, and I think even more so when you when you have a performer uh, that's not the right culture fit. Uh, also, a difficult decision right. to to make. Um, so, yeah, I I think those are some of the tougher decisions, or or. You know, there, there's times when when people are ha, have been great with the organization, but they're in a position where their skills and abilities are are not at the same level that their position is. And I think that's right. the other time when uh, it's difficult to make that decision. Right, and and those are and all those scenarios are very difficult decision and decisions as as you enumerated earlier. You have to remove yourself from the emotion of it and just say, hey, and and like you said, if you put others. In front, you know, you put others as the focus, right? And you say, "Hey, I'm most concerned about you. I want your well-being. Hey, this role is not a fit for you." Or, "Hey, 
as a company, we ha- we don't have room for your continued growth, but you've got all the skill sets you need or, hey, this role would better suit you, whatever that is. Um, if, if you, like you said, remove yourself from the emotions in the middle of that, you'll be able to make, you'll be able to make those decisions and, and appropriately navigate the chart forward. Mm-hmm. So uh, wrapping up, I'll, I'll ask you this one, one more question and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. But, you, you know, looking forward, right? Leadership is about looking forward in the future and, and, and being a little bit of a visionary, right? Um, what, what do you see in this next generation of leaders that are coming up? If you had some advice, if you had some thoughts about this next generation of leadership and their, their strengths and, and weaknesses, um, you know, that, that are already in the workforce, maybe they're young in their career or maybe they're getting ready to enter the workforce, Right. What are some tips that you would give them um, in terms of, of just successful leadership and principles that you've seen? One of the things I would say, Josh, is don't be in a rush. Uh, and I, I know the irony of, of the statement because of, of the opportunities that I've been given at the ages that I have. But I, I think one of the times that I was, uh, I'm, I most enjoyed my time here at Christian Mose Automotive is when I, I rested or I just owned my current position, and I was not concerned about what was next, and I was more concerned about doing the best job possible with what I had at that curtain time. Uh, I, I, th- I think oftentimes we are always, hey, what's your five-year goals? What's your 10-year goals? And don't get me wrong, I love goals. I think they're right. extremely important. But I think just owning where you are and doing your best at that is something that is extremely valuable. I, I think from a from a, what I'm excited about about these upcoming generations is I, I love the desire and the passion for uh, social equality. Uh, right. I, I mean, that, that is it's love your neighbor deal. as yourself, right? And so that, that's something that um, I'm, I'm very excited about having moving forward and, and knowing that it's something that people care deeply about. And, that, and that's, that's really good, and, and that is a hallmark of this generation, and, and, and you've navigated that successfully because I've, I've watched the brand take positions on, on social matters that maybe not everybody didn't agree with, but you knew it was the right thing to do, and, and you took a, an effective stand for equality. So appreciate your leadership in this brand. Appreciate you coming on the show. Donnie Carr, you have a standing invitation. Anytime you want to come on this program, you are, are more than welcome to but, sir, we appreciate you. We appreciate your leadership. And I know that, that I, and, and along with everybody that's listening, is walking away better than before by hearing your perspective on all things leadership. So thank you so much again for joining us. My pleasure, Josh. And I, I, I think you probably said way too many nice things about me. That's the only inaccuracies I heard on this podcast. But besides that, I loved it and would love to come back again. All right. Well, thank you so much. Donnie Carr, everybody. Thank you for joining us, Donnie. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm walking away better than I did before. I tell you, I took plenty of mental notes as to what Donnie talked about today because these are some valuable leadership lessons. So on that note, I want to leave you with this thought from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. It says, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. And I I received that for myself. Let's go into this week leading well and remember that promise. So keep leading well, everybody. See you next week.